I encourage you to read the talks once again and to ponder the messages contained therein. I found in my own life I gain even more from these inspired sermons when I study them in greater depth. The basic pattern is to identify the fundamental doctrine or principle that's being taught. Find any invitations associated with and related to that doctrine or principle. And then also recognizing the promised blessings if we act in accordance with that invitation. Welcome to Words of the Prophets, a podcast where we discuss the latest talks of the General Conference of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. My name is Todd. Today I have with me my friend Burke. How are you today, Burke? I am wonderful. I could sum it up in more words than that, I guess, but I'm just happy to be here and talking to good friends and, yeah, discussing conference. Great. Love it. Yes. Happy to have you here, too. Um, So, thanks for joining us. Yeah. And uh, we also have Rivka with us today. How are you, Rivka? I'm doing okay. I've been a little under the weather the last few days, but um, holding strong. I have my have my water bottle here with me, so we should be all right. (laughs) (laughs) Good. Stay hydrated. It's very important. (laughs) Good. Well, um, glad to have you here today. I'm going to, I'm trying to keep the intro shorter. You know, that's always something I struggle with because if I could just chat with you guys for 30 minutes uh, and then get to the talks, but did want to uh, give a life update because we have major life happenings here. Oh, yes, you do. Uh, we, We do. Um, We are recording this on a Saturday in two days. My middle child, my son, will be flying out to Brazil for a mission for the church. Um, He has completed two weeks of home MTC, which have been fantastic. Uh, We were pretty worried about all day Zoom, which was absolutely horrendous during COVID and could not have been a worse school experience. Um, but it was an amazing MTC experience, and uh, and he is very excited to go. He's he's doing great. He loves Portuguese. Um, awesome. Yeah, he is very excited. So that is awesome. And then for three weeks, we'll have two kids on a mission, and then Aaliyah will come home. So I know already. Um, wow. It probably doesn't feel already for you guys as much as it does for us, but man. Yeah, it's that mission time warp where day to day, it feels like it's been forever. And then when I actually contemplate that she'll be home in under a month, I think, uh, what happened? (laughs) She just Mm -hmm. left. So, so yeah, we're really happy about that. And, uh, from a podcast standpoint, uh, at some point we'll have Aaliyah back on the podcast. So we're really excited about that. So, um, and then she'll go out to school and who knows, what she'll do um, from that point on. But yeah, just looking forward to seeing her again and looking forward to seeing all the great experiences Lawson is about to have. So got some fun things going on. Awesome. Well, with that, let's move on to our talk today. It is called We Can Do Hard Things Through Him by Elder Isaac K. Morrison of the 70. And I got to say, this talk really stood out to me when I heard Mm -hmm. it the first time. Me too. And the time... Yeah. Oh, it, it's got this heart wrenching story yeah. that just, oh, every, just brutal. every parent's nightmare. Yeah, absolutely. And honestly, that phrase, we can do hard things is maybe so commonly used that it does not relay effectively the situation that he went through that he is going to discuss. I mean, <laughs> that is not hard things. That is like l- ultimate life tragedy, you know, so yeah. Um, we will come to that, but let's first start with our fundamental doctrines and then we'll circle back around to that story. So 
Burke, tell me what the fundamental doctrine was for this uh, talk. All right. While some challenges may come because of willful disobedience, we know that many of life's challenges come because of other reasons. Whatever the source of our challenges, they can be a golden opportunity to grow. And I picked Lovely. this one because I because it is about challenges and also because I really dislike the part about golden opportunity to grow. Like <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I know that's the point of coming here. Tell me more, Burke. The point of coming here is to grow, but growing is often really uncomfortable, at least for me. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it is. It is. Growing pains, right? They're not just a a thing uh, medically. They're a thing spiritually, too. Okay. Well, thanks for sharing that, Rivka. How about you? What was the fundamental doctrine for you? Um, he says, reflecting on my own experiences, I realize I have learned some of my best lessons during the hardest times in my life. And that one for me is, (laughs) was sort of the crux of this, but it, it's, um, rang true with my own experiences also. Yeah. Similar to Burke's and, um, the general Mm -hmm. theme of his talk and we'll go more into depth on that here shortly. Um, the one I picked was, so I actually marked the one Burke said, Me too. Um, but I had a, a second one, you know, cause there, now we need a backup all mm-hmm. the time. Yep. <laughs> and um, my backup one was the one, it's actually the end of the paragraph that you just started to read Rivka. So, okay. and uh, you might not be surprised that I picked it when you hear one of the words in it, it says, the more I cheerfully respond to difficult circumstances with faith in the Lord, the more I grow in my discipleship. Um, so, of course, that word cheerfully resonated with me. And sometimes uh, when I have challenges, I simply trudge through them. You know, I just put one foot in front of the other. But whenever possible, I like to face them with a smile and with faith in the Lord and and. When I do that, then I do grow more in my discipleship. So rather than just enduring to the end, you know, which um, I used to think meant suffering until you die, um, then I try to, you know, grow and even perhaps thrive in difficult circumstances. So that I really liked that word cheerfully. So, okay, well, I think we have to get to the story here and and dive into it because it is really the the center of this talk, the heart of this talk. And Burke, would you be willing to summarize that for us? Uh, yeah. Do you want to go straight to the story or talk about some of the lead up about families or? Um, uh, yeah, the family part is pretty interesting. Um, yeah, let's talk about that. That's a good idea. Then we'll get to the story because it does add context. Yeah. So uh, let's see. Um, he says, when Hannah and I were married, we desired the fulfillment of our patriarchal blessings, which indicated that we would be blessed with many children. However, prior to the birth of our third boy, it became medically clear that Hannah would not be able to have another baby. And then a little further down, he says, though we had to adjust our expectations of a large family, it was a joy to put into practice the teachings from the family, a proclamation to the world with our three beloved children. And this really resonated with me. Um, I come, I have many siblings. I'm, you know, common. I remember one time I was at work and I was talking about my brothers and someone was like, wow, how many brothers do you have? And I was like five. And they're like, wow, all boys in your family. And I was like, well, yeah, what a bit if it wasn't for the, 
well, it's for the eight sisters, you know? And so I grew up <laughs> in a large family and, um, when Rivka and I got married, I just assumed that, you know, we would have a smaller family than I mm-hmm. was used to, but you know, five to seven kids, five to eight, you know, somewhere in there. Yeah. Um, and, and we talked about it and that was just what we expected and looked forward to. And, uh, the reality just wasn't that, um, for a lot of reasons that, uh, that I won't share here. Um, we have two wonderful children that we are so very grateful for. But it's been years, for, I think, for both of us in mm-hmm. um, grieving with th- with the family we didn't get or haven't uh, had. And so that part just right there, actually, even though that's not the hard the hard part of this talk, that part really resonated with me because that's a struggle and- for, a, for a lot of people. Sorry, Riv, do you want yeah. to add anything there? Or? No, I was just, you know, you said it perfectly. I just, I also had that underlined and highlighted for that exact reason. I thought this, that has been part of our experience too. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not the hardest part of the talk, but for many people who don't face what they faced, um, which we'll talk about in a minute, you know, this is a very hard trial and Deanna and I had something similar. Um, although we were not unified in how many kids we wanted, um, I basically wanted as many as possible and, and, uh, she had a limit at three or four, but we had years of trying and failing to have kids. And, um, you know, towards the end of when we were trying, we specifically felt like there was one more out there for us. And Mm -hmm. eventually, um, you know, again, weren't able to, to have that last child. So we ended up with three and we can't imagine our lives without any of them, but, but they're, you know, there always was that um, sorrow and, and struggle of trying to have more kids than, than we did. So, yeah, I think that will resonate with a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to throw one more thing in there to that story. The third child, the reason they couldn't have more kids is um, the third child was born in a life-threatening situation to the baby and mm-hmm. his wife, the mother. And, um, the you know, those things turned out okay, but it resulted in her not being able to have kids anymore after that. So yeah, already that child's life was threatened, you know, even as it came into this world. So, yeah. And probably at the time felt like a miracle to them. He doesn't say that, but but I would think probably. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would imagine. So, okay. Then fast forward, uh, he's serving as stake president and doing his calling. And then, um, Rivka, do you want to share the story about what happened at this point? Um, yeah, he said he had just returned. It was one weekend and they had just returned home from a church activity and gathered for lunch. And the three boys went outside to play. And at some point during that, his wife had had an impression to go out and check on the boys. And so she asked him to go and he was like, they're fine. Because dads are, you know, moms are much more worriers than dads. (laughs) So I think this is a very typical thing to happen. He's like, they're probably fine. We can hear them playing. They're fine. Um, But then they went out a little bit later together, both of them, and found that, um, I think probably, I assume it's their youngest. Yeah. Little 18-month-old Kenneth, right? Is that the same? He used the name in both paragraphs. Oh, yep, right there, Kenneth, right. So their little miracle baby, anyway, helpless in a bucket of water, and he had drowned. Um, And he said, we we rushed him to the hospital, but all attempts to revive him proved futile. We were devastated, 
that we would not have the opportunity to raise our precious child during this mortal life. Though we knew Kenneth would be part of our family eternally, I found myself questioning why God would let this tragedy happen to me when I was doing all I could to magnify my calling. I had just come home from fulfilling one of my duties in ministering to the saints. Why couldn't God look upon my service and save our son and our family from this tragedy? The more I thought about it, the more bitter I became. I think that paragraph in this talk, more than anything, I'm like, at some point, for some reason, we have all asked some form of that question. You know, right. this this is may not be the tragedy that most of us experience, but something will happen that will make us say, how could you, you know, what sort of a God lets us suffer like this? Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, it's just, I, I'm speechless. Like yeah. my heart just tightens up reading that yeah. story in that paragraph. Oh, it's every parent's <laughs> worst nightmare. I can't even imagine how they felt. I, I can't no. imagine. So, no. um, well, and then, he talks about his bitterness a little bit there. And I don't even know how to say this without sounding like I'm uh, just trying to make things worse. But, you know, he asked the question, why couldn't God save us from this tragedy? And one of the answers is he did try to help, right? He tried with the impressions. So that probably mm -hmm. made the bitterness even worse because it was bitterness layered on guilt, layered on bitterness and layered on guilt, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. So just an all around awful situation. Well, and, um, and, you know, movies and stories and probably reality, usually something like this is the start of the end of a marriage, right? Where right. one parent's yeah. like, I asked you to do this. You didn't. Worst tragedy you can possibly imagine befalls because of this, what was technically a disagreement, right? And, and, and then he just says here, my wife never blamed me for not responding to her promptings. And I was like, wow. Never. Yeah. Like not even once. Wow, I know. Like Stunning. wow, yeah. Just yeah, it takes my breath away. This whole situation is just so hard to even imagine. And um, and and for me, it's brought home because most of the big decisions in our marriage have been made based on promptings that Rivka received, not me. Um, she'll receive mm. them. She'll tell me, and I'll kind of brush it aside and think about it and figure I can figure it out. But ultimately, we. We usually go with what her feeling is because I've learned this lesson the same as he did. And thankfully not so um, tragic a way, but yeah, this could have been me right. in a different situation. I guess right. that's what I'm saying. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. There, but for the grace of God, go I. Yeah. Right. Well, he gives us, he injected a little bit of humor into this um, mm -hmm. just tragic situation. And he said the lessons he learned resulted in two rules never to be broken. Rule one, listen to and heed the promptings of your wife. So Burke, you've, you've learned that have rule two. If you were, if you are not sure for any reason, refer to rule number one. Yep. <laughs> so indeed, um, what a terrible way to learn it, but, uh, you know, it's, we, we work as a team, right? And so we should have the humility to, listen to each other's promptings, um, as, and, and act on those as, as needed. So, okay. Um, Burke, do you want to continue on with sort of the aftermath and, and how they came to terms with this? Yeah. He says though the experience was shattering and we continue to grieve. Our overwhelming burden was eventually eased. 
Um, he says, we came to feel united and bound by our temple covenants. And I really like how those things go together. You're like, well, how can that burden possibly be eased? And I guess time is one answer, but also we know through power of the atonement and that he works into that temple covenants. Um, and this goes along with so many things we discussed, um, you know, last year in our study of the old Testament and the power of covenants, especially as it relates to, um, president Nelson's, uh, talk, Oh, you know the reference for it. I can't think of now what about where he uses Carrie Mulstein's um, book on covenants and just talks about the power of covenant. I think it was an article in the Eliahona. But anyway, I'm rambling yeah. now, yeah. but just the power of covenants with God. Um, you make promises to him and in response, you get power um, and miracles. So, Indeed. And I like how he started that off by saying the experience was shattering and we continue to grieve. So he's, yeah. I mean, obviously if the experience resulted in them giving up, getting divorced and leaving the church, he wouldn't be telling the story, right? He wouldn't even be in general conference. So we knew where it was going, but he didn't minimize the pain they felt and continue to feel. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So he's, you know, he's clear about that later here. Yeah. Our experience continues to be hard. So, you know, even while yeah. he gave this talk with a smile on his face, um, it's clear that this still hurts and how could it not? Yeah. Yeah. I, I was amazed that he didn't just like break down in the middle of the talk, you know, and weep. Um, yeah. I've, I've talked before on the podcast, how my mother passed away while I was serving my mission. And that was a very hard experience for me. And, um, so two things, one, you know, I absolutely, my covenants, uh, were very, very important for that. Uh, you know, I, I recited as much of that temple experience in my mind as I could while I was out there on an Island in the middle of nowhere with no access to the temple. And it gave me strength. But every time I tell this in a public setting, I even talked about it with the youth, uh, you know, at the beginning of the year, I just cannot control my emotions, you know, and, and it's been a long, long time, longer than it has been for him since he lost his son. And yeah, so I, I can't believe he was able to, to share that experience, um, you know, and, and keep his emotions in check. So it's interesting because the footnote number, the footnote three that comes right at the end of that sentence is a footnote to Mosiah chapter 24 verses 14 and 15 and verse 14 reads, and I will also ease the burdens which are put upon your shoulders that even you cannot feel them upon your backs, even while you are on bondage. And this will I do that ye may stand as witnesses for me hereafter and that ye may know of a surety that I, the Lord God do visit my people in their afflictions. And I think that's just a really interesting scripture that he kind of hides in there. He doesn't read it out loud, but it, that says to me that he and his wife understand that part of this experience is for them is that he's going to ask them to be a witness of, of what he's speaking about in this talk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And later in that paragraph, he says that one of the, you know, benefits or not benefits, but one of the um, positives that has come from this situation is that he can minister to others and empathize with their pain. Yeah. So it goes along with being a witness and it goes along with fulfilling those baptismal covenants. So I thought that paragraph was um, really key to understanding how these even terrible tragedies can be um, turned into something good beauty for ashes, as we've Mm -hmm. talked about before. 
Um, Rivka, have you had a situation where something hard in your life has been turned to good? Um, yeah, I've had a lot of those. Um, none as none as severe as, as this, but certainly, um, there was a few years ago when Burke's health was really in decline, and um. I was laboring under the assumption for most of 2017 that he would be passing away um, within the next few years. And that was incredibly difficult. At that time, our kids were, um, let's see, 10 and 12. Mm -hmm. And I was 37. (laughs) So that's, that's really young to be considering that. And it, it didn't happen. We had some New Testament miracles and some medical intervention that has extended his life. But um, going through those years of his declining health, through the major surgery that he had, and through the after effects coming out of it, um, those those were hard years, and it and it has led me to um, some therapy that I needed. Um, our kids to it. And it is really um, in ways that I would not have expected over the years since then brought our family closer together, improved our communication um, and, and has grown, grown and shaped our family in ways that I wouldn't have anticipated that have been hugely beneficial to all of us. So this is, this is a pattern that, is true. Um, and it does work over time. I like that he, he has those little phrases in there all the time, like eventually eased. Um, it's not, it's not the sort of thing that happens quickly, but that's, that's the nature of mortality, right? We're learning and it's going to take time and it's going to be, like you said, the growing pains, it's painful. Um, but the Lord does have the capacity and the power, as he says, to turn those things to our good. And he really means that it does become for our good and for our benefit. Great. Thank you for sharing that Rivka. Um, well, Burke, let's go back to you. He, he continues on, but let's, um, open it up and make it a little, um, more of a of an option for you to pick whatever you want so you can go back to the beginning or back toward the end just anything else in here that stood out to you as you read through this um let's see here he says jesus christ learned obedience by the things which he suffered and that's uh from hebrews chapter 5 verse 8 and this is a scripture i've heard many times in my life and it stood out to me because i guess i never really pondered before that Christ had to learn obedience for some reason in my mind. I always just thought like, of course he was obedient. He was Christ. He was perfect. And I just like that to know that he had to have internal struggles as well. And we, we get some insight into this, um, you know, like before the garden of Gethsemane, when he's asking or in the garden, when he's asking, you know, if this cup can pass away from me, we're obviously had some trepidation. We've talked about that before. And I just, like to know that when things are hard and I'm trying to figure out what the right thing to do, that Christ also had to learn obedience and to learn what the right way was. I don't know how that 
works in the structure of him maintaining perfection while still progressing. Um, but, uh, I, but I've enjoyed thinking about that as I read this talk. Yeah. I wondered, does that mean, was that, does that scripture just refer to the atonement or does that mean, you know, as he suffered throughout childhood, as he grew, um, is it a more general statement than something referring to something specific? Um, it was interesting to think about the, the different details there, but, um, to know that again, he knows how we feel when we go through these things. Cause he's, he experienced the same thing yeah. as well, we do. And it stood out to me a little bit too, um, just in the reading I've been doing the last few weeks and which we will continue to, as we study the New Testament the year, this year, like how impatient if I were him, I would have been with the people he had to deal with every day. You know, how often his apostles yeah. say something where he's like, ah, you know, <laughs> <laughs> clearly you don't you don't you don't see the direction we're supposed to be going here you know <laughs> um in yeah. various ways but i don't know he's just so patient and so yeah i think a lot of that's too like him learning patience and all these things where yeah where he had to learn them too so i just for me to be reminded that his life was not easy it had to have been just as hard as mine and also harder for him to fulfill the role that he had so yeah Man of sorrows, well acquainted with grief. Yep. Um, well, Rivka, what else stood out to you? Did you want to share anything else from this talk before we get to invitations and promises? Um, yeah, but with what you were <clears throat> with what you were just saying, Burke, last Sunday when we were um, in Relief Society, we were having a discussion about one of the conference talks, and a friend of mine that I was sitting next to leaned over, and she's like that I'm trying to be like Jesus is really hard. And I thought to myself, I think being Jesus was really hard. So it yeah. <laughs> makes sense that trying to be like him would be really hard. Yeah. I, the first time so that true. kind of popped into my head, I was just like, well, that seems fair, actually. <laughs> um, so the, um, let's see. Toward the end of the talk, he says, one of the covenants we make with the Lord in the temple is to live the law of sacrifice. Sacrifice has always been part of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is a reminder of the great atoning sacrifice of Jesus Christ for all who have lived or will live on earth. And then he says this, and I love it. I know that the Lord always compensates our righteous desires. And that's something else that I have, I have experienced that I am experiencing. We will probably all have righteous desires that don't get met in mortality, but the Lord will always compensate. I think in mortality, a lot of that comes as, as comfort or um, maybe understanding or the opportunity to do something just as wonderful as the thing we wanted, though different. And then I really believe that through the eternities, all those desires that we have that are righteous will will be fulfilled. And um, so there's some there's some comfort in that, although it's hard to be like in the future, I guess, when you're struggling through it. But I love that sentence. I know that the Lord always compensates our righteous desires. Yeah, that is a beautiful thought and gives us hope even in you know, the midst of trials to know that the Lord is, is going to even things out. So yeah, yeah but he doesn't he, let me he pick fin- the timing. He fol- 
<laughs> no, and he follows up with that with saying, remember the many children I was promised in my patriarchal blessing? Well, that blessing is being fulfilled. And he talks about them serving as mission president and how they have all these missionaries now that they get to work with, that they are, that they're, you know, mission parents for. Yeah. And that also resonated with me. I have mm-hmm. never been mission president, but I was a ward mission leader. And we have multiple missionaries that we're still in contact with um, who we think of as our children. And one of them is bringing her three beautiful kids to visit us in a few weeks. And I am beyond excited. Um, And I think she still listens to the podcast. So shout out to Mariah if you are listening. But uh, (laughs) yeah, you know, we again struggled with trying to have more kids and didn't have them. And that's that desire has been fulfilled in other ways. Um, So the Lord knows. Yeah, the great creator of the universe does have the capacity to be very creative in helping us feel fulfilled, even if we don't get the things we want. Yeah, write it down, people. That was a Rivkaism right there. Write it down. Write it down. Don't forget it. <laughs> so we got two. You know, this trying to be like Jesus is hard, but it was hard to be Jesus. And yeah. the great creator <laughs> has the capacity to be creative. Um, <clears throat> awesome. Thank you. Uh, Max Rivka Maxwell. Oh, geez. Um, <laughs> so um, uh, let's go on to invitations and promises here. So the one I picked out right at the end here, um, he gives us our, our promise and then an invitation. So he says, I testify that we grow in our discipleship. So that's sort of the promise. And the invitation is when we exercise faith in the Lord during difficult times. So just holding out hope there that, it's something's tough where you got to keep our faith and we will grow in the end. So again, just holding out that light at the end of the tunnel for us, knowing that the Lord is in charge. Uh, Burke, any other uh, pr- invitations or promises you wanted to highlight? Well, I'm just going to reclassify what you incorrectly thought was the central doctrine, but is actually an invitation. And that is the more oh, I cheerfully, okay. yeah, the more I cheerfully respond to difficult circumstances with faith in the Lord, the more I grow in my discipleship. And I was like, really, do I have to cheerfully? Can you just like, can I just, <laughs> you know, I, I skipped over the part it? where he reminded us. <laughs> no, he reminded us. It's a commandment, Burke. It's a commandment. <laughs> so that was the invitation that convicted me. So there you go. <sighs> awesome. Thank you. Uh, Rivka, how about you? Any invitations and promises you want to talk about? Oh, um, he quotes from the, I think it's, it's from the Preach My Gospel manual. All that is unfair and difficult about life can be made right through the atonement of Jesus Christ. He can help us endure whatever pain, sickness, and trials we face in mortality. That's more a blessing than an invitation. But I like that it says he will help us endure it, not always escape from it. Oh, I like that. Endure it, not escape from it. That's really good. Uh, that reminds me of a Bednar talk where he talks about how often the solution the Lord gives us is to give us strength to face our problems, not removing our problems. Mm. So because God that's a really needs good brave sons. Or sometimes, yes. Well, or <sighs> added, is that the Bednar talk about the pickup truck that he loaded with wood? Different talk, but oh, that one is also idea. good. <laughs> Sim- yes. Similar principle. Yep. Yeah. Yep. <clears throat> Indeed. Okay. Well, those are great invitations and promises. And this this is was a harrowing talk for me to re-experience. Uh, it's just 
Yeah. It's a hard read, but it's a good read. And it's an important principle for us to all keep in mind as we, as we face our daily challenges. So thank you both for your thoughts today. Um, the next one we're going to discuss is Be True to God and His Work by Elder Quentin L. Cook of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles. Um, so in the meantime, you can get a hold of us on social media at Words of the Prophets Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, or Words of the Prophets Podcast at gmail.com. So thank you for joining us today. And until next time, keep the faith. If we teach by the Spirit, and you listen by the Spirit, some one of us will touch on your circumstance, sending a personal prophetic epistle just to you.